Star Workforce Studio. You got to have faith in yourself. People are going to look at you different, but never give up. DR Workforce Studio, podcasting the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation through the inspiring stories of people with disabilities who have gone to work. Tech support Tech support support position at NASCO As well as the professionals who have helped them. A job and a career. You, you got to look at how life-changing this is. And the businesses who have filled their talent pipelines with workers that happen to have disabilities. To help expand registered apprenticeship. These are their stories. Because there's such a great story to tell about people with disabilities. Now here is the host of the VR Workforce Studio, Rick Sizemore. Welcome to episode 96 of the VR Workforce Studio podcast. You know, like many, we're beginning to look ahead at what I'm calling the post-pandemic pathway. You know, as people begin returning to the new normal, we're all really excited about what's on the horizon especially so in podcasting and vocational rehabilitation. We're just four shows away from episode 100, which will air on September 30th this year, which is International Podcast Day, which of course ushers in October, National Disability Employment Awareness Month. We have some great guests lined up for that show. This year's theme, America's Recovery Powered by Inclusion, reflects the importance of ensuring that people with disabilities have full access to employment and community involvement during the national recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. But today is a very special show as we expand our VR workforce family with the addition of a seasoned reporter, a journalist, in my humble opinion, one of the world's greatest photographers. She leads the communications department at the Virginia Department for Aging, Rehabilitative Services, and is joining me on this podcast as an interviewer and co-host, Betsy Civilette. Welcome to the team, Betsy. Thank you, Rick. I am thrilled to be involved. I have watched this podcast evolve over the years and become a nationally recognized show. Yeah. It is such a valuable resource for vocational rehabilitation. Well, we have a jam-packed show, but just so you're properly introduced to our listeners, give us an overview of some of the highlights of your celebrated career as a communications professional. Sure. I am a seasoned communications professional. I've been in the field now 31, 31 years. 31 years. It's hard to believe. I started out in advertising doing the fun, creative things like writing radio commercials and coming up with catchy slogans, but I moved into corporate communications, which is what I currently do, everything from strategic marketing planning to public relations functions. Yeah, and and you have an interview later in the show today. Tell us about that. I'm speaking with Allison Clark, the community engagement manager with the Sheltering Arms Institute in Richmond, and she shares some wonderful stories about their partnership with No Wrong Door. Virginia. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to that, but now it's time for our big inspiration showcase. All right. In our big inspiration showcase today, our guest talks about landing a great job at Mohawk Industries. Mohawk is a global flooring leader with manufacturing operations in 18 different countries with just over 40 1,000 employees worldwide. 
But let's bring it a little closer to home. Bobby Carnes works at Mohawk in Glasgow, Virginia. He found his way there through vocational rehabilitation. Bobby, tell us about your job and how you wound up at Mohawk. Mohawk is a good company. It's a company where they make carpet. I'm a criller. So basically, it's an important job at Mohawk. I uh, slice yarn. I uh, put yarn in boxes. I put yarn on the racks in the warehouse. I do a lot of things with yarn. So with so many people with disabilities, they go through voc rehab and they develop some skills and then they get more training actually on the job. Is Mohawk help you prepare for that work with additional training on the job? The, the job training of Mohawk is excellent. Again, she's the best trainer in the world. Since I have a learned disability and I learn a little bit slow, they don't judge you for that. You work on your own pace pretty much and I eventually got it. And now I'm all good now. It's uh, They do it on your own pace, and that's what I like about it. Well, tell us about your training at Wilson Workforce. How did the training here at WWRC help you get ready for this job at Mohawk? Uh, I did warehouse. I did forklifting training. I did all sorts of things in the warehouse to, you know, prepare me for a Mohawk. So it sounds like the voc rehab training and Mohawk together, a really good combination to give you a career pathway. I love working there. I made new friends. You know, I like my boss. He's really cool. Tony, uh, my trainer, Megan. I can work my way up with this company. I actually plan on being a truck driver very soon. Forklift. We call it truck. It's actually fork truck. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people do and when you get out in the working world. But you learned to drive a, a fork truck here at, at Wilson Workforce? Yeah. I have um, a forklifting certificate. Oh, that is, uh, that is super. Uh, tell us a little more about your disability. My disability is, you know, basically doing things a little bit slow. I'm just like everybody else. Everybody has their own flaws, you know. We're not all perfect, but I tried to be the best I could be, and I don't let nobody tell me I can't do something because I make it happen. Did you get any help at Wilson with your learning disability? I got tested to see what type of learning disability I had. Right. Because I didn't really know what I have or had because before they said I had ADHD, but I didn't have it. I don't have ADHD. It's just a, something called a language disorder where I don't really understand the human language that well. It seems like you've worked your way through that and into yeah, oh, uh, yeah. a great I job. It all. I bypass it, you know? Yeah. I don't really look at it like I haven't learned disability. Yeah. I don't really compare myself with other people just because I haven't learned disability. All right. Yeah. So how did vocational rehabilitation really helped get you ready to be financially on your own? It was Trina. She helped me learn how to manage money about, you know, uh, my social security when I used to uh, be on it, saving my money and managing my money a, a little bit better. A lot of people have to really kind of work through the system of coming off of social security when they go to work and learn how to manage their money. How's social security working out in, in your particular situation? I'm working off of it, really good money, so have enough for what I need to pay bills and stuff like that. Bobby, you mentioned Trina Gray, who's a work incentive specialist advocate and a student financial representative at uh, Wilson Workforce. She had this to say about working with you. Bobby, when I first met him, was apprehensive. Um, 
into the types of services that we were providing him with and very guarded, especially discussing um, anything to do with money, which is a very personal thing. So that to me is very understandable. But as we further developed our relationship and talked about um, financial independence, um, he was more open to it. And then I think to him trusting himself in the process and seeing his abilities and being able to develop um, in his work, work habits, and then knowing that he was going to have an income at some point, that helped um, with his situation. It's explaining to people, you know, you have taxes, you have to pay into the system. um, And there are benefits to that. And you are becoming a tax paying citizen and explaining that process. And what you gain from that as far as thinking further ahead um, in savings and planning for your future and your retirement. Um, So those are things that financial literacy helps our students with. So you've gotten job training, financial coaching, and now the payoff of a new car. What does that feel like? Well, I started working at Mohawk. Uh, That's when I got my Hyundai Tiburon. Uh, It's a sports car. And uh, I uh, got a loan for it. I got a co-signer and I pay payments on the car now. So I have a, a good job to have enough money to do that. What's your advice to employers about hiring people with disabilities? People learn disabilities just try as hard as other people do. And even in school, in education, they try just as hard as everyone else. And this needs to be heard. Like, I think that employers should hire people with disabilities. Because they're just like everyone else. Well, Bobby, you're a real success story. Let's finish out with any final thoughts and reflections you have for people with disabilities and those who work with them to help them get a job. See, you got to have faith in your students in order for the students to get a job and to keep a job. If you don't have faith in other people, then there's no point. You got to have faith in yourself. People are going to look at you different. But never give up. I can't do something or you're shocked that I can't do it. I make things happen. Yeah, I'm going to get it done. That's what I did. I got it done and I'm here today. Bobby Carnes is a criller for Mohawk Industries at the plant in Glasgow, Virginia. Bobby, thanks for being on our podcast today. All right, thanks. YouTube sensation Miss Dugan has a new ebook on adult daily living skills. Here's Miss Dugan. Hey guys, Ms. Dugan here, and I wanted to tell you about my new ebook, Adult Daily Living Skills, What's the Big Deal? It has six informative write-ups on ADLs, lesson plans, and activities for each ADL, two extra activities, and a helpful glossary. I also have a free accessible version with proof of purchase. And don't forget to use the $5 off coupon code, Ms. Dugan. For more information on Ms. Dugan, or the link to purchase the new ebook, check the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. Here's the DARS communications manager and co-host of the VR Workforce Studio, Betsy Civilette. Today, we are thrilled to have Allison Clark on the podcast. Allison is a certified therapeutic recreation specialist. In 2020, she started a new position as the community engagement manager at the Sheltering Arms Institute, 
a new 114-bed inpatient physical rehabilitation hospital. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, you say your career focus has been developing community-based recreation and wellness services, addressing quality of life for individuals recovering from injury or illness. So could you tell us a little more about your chosen field and how it has led to your latest position at the Sheltering Arms Institute? Uh, Yes, I am a recreation therapist by training, and every recreational therapist has the passion of quality of life for our patients that we serve. And I have a long uh, history of um, career with Sheltering Arms. I've worked there for over 30 years and really took an interest in, as a recreation therapist, in what patients were doing after discharge from their rehab program. And we started a pilot program to really look at um, what opportunities we can provide folks post-discharge. And we had several folks uh, come out to some of our bowling clinics and adopt a golf programs. And we really realized that there was a disconnect sometimes with what the patients were doing, you know, after discharge. So we really wanted to focus on that quality of life piece for our patients in our community. And then we were able to create a community recreation program at Sheltering Arms. And over the years, I really worked to develop uh, recreation, wellness, and fitness programs to meet needs for people with disabilities in the community. And fortunately, when the SAI Institute opened and we decided that the mission and the vision related to reinventing rehabilitation for life beyond limits, uh, we started talking about the need for community connections earlier in the patient's recovery. And a community engagement management position opened up. And so I transferred my responsibilities to uh, SAI and am now looking at how we can make uh, long-term connections with patients. Um, We have a strategy of how we stay connected with them after discharge, as well as making community connections for them while they're in the inpatient stay, which is a very different approach in an inpatient rehabilitation facility. Great. Could you tell us a little bit more background on uh, Sheltering Arms and how the Sheltering Arms Institute came about? Sure. Uh, Sheltering Arms has a great legacy, a long legacy in Richmond community. So it opened in um, 1889, and it was an acute care hospital um, for the Richmond area. And in 1981, Sheltering Arms uh, focused on physical rehabilitation. And so we opened uh, strictly an inpatient rehabilitation hospital. And over the years, we've built a continuum of care that are focused on supporting our patients after discharge from inpatients. So uh, that full continuum of care I was talking about with outpatient services, uh, recreation, wellness, and fitness programs. So your role at Sheltering Arms Institute is community engagement. It sounds like you have worked with a number of partnering organizations to help develop collaborative programs to improve the health of patients in the community at large. One of these collaborative programs is No Wrong Door Virginia, overseen by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. Tell us how Sheltering Arms discovered the No Wrong Door system, how this relationship has developed, and what your initial experience was. Yes, so I have heard about No Wrong Door over the years, just um, being in the recreation and uh, wellness field. And uh, when we were starting the Sheltering Arms Institute um, community engagement position, I knew that we needed some sort of system that is going to connect our our patients and our families to community agencies quickly. 
Um, so I reached out to uh, Thelma Watson and asked her a little bit about the No Wrong Door system, wondering if it would be appropriate um, for us to use. And uh, a lot of our community partners are in No Wrong Door, but I knew that some of them were not. And we really needed to figure out who those community partners are that we knew were going to be a strong impact for our patients. And so I had a great team of people um, from No Wrong Daughter that really worked with me to reach out to these community partners. And uh, basically, we decided to all onboard on No Wrong Door together, which was fantastic because we were able to talk about the challenges that we had um, with a lot of our partners saying, uh, we, we don't see some of these patients for five years after their initial brain injury. And that's not great rehab, and that's not a great community connection. So they were really excited to be able to connect sooner with our patients, um, hopefully uh, being able to avoid a lot of uh, challenges that happen when you wait for five years to call for help. Um, and so we were able to onboard together. We were, we were able to train all at the same time. Uh, we had some specific expectations for documentation and no wrong door that would help me um, track outcomes and successes of this connection. So um, the team at No Wrong Door was really great in helping us to coordinate all of that. Uh, we chose initially um, for the United Spinal Association, um, Community Brain Injury Services of Virginia, Brain Injury Association of Virginia, and Sportable as our first four onboarding partners. Um, those agencies all really impact the populations that we're seeing at SAI. So we started off with that. Um, but as we've been moving forward, I'm continuing to make referrals to Senior Connections and other you know agencies and resources that are in the No Wrong Door system, which is a great one-stop shop for making connections. Um, and I think the best part of it has been that we are getting consent from the patient to use the system, which allows the responsibility to be put on the agency versus the patients whose family are overwhelmed and um, they know that they're getting a call, we're making that connection sooner versus relying on them to make the contact with the agency. So that's been really helpful to our folks. That sounds like a wonderful collaboration. And um, I know some of those partners as well. Um, are they fully onboarded too? You mentioned Sportable. Yes. Um, a few other. Yes, Sportable, no? United Spinal, Community okay. Brain Injury Services. Um, so it's a, it's a great way for us to uh, send the referral in and then we make some notation of uh, information about the patient. And the great thing has been we have um, offered virtual and on-site visits with these partners. So we initially started uh, with virtual, obviously. Uh, we have some fully vaccinated partners that are now coming in. But the long-term goal is to have all of our community partners have office hours at the Institute. So there's designated times during the week that they're coming and they're able to meet with patients and families while they're in the, in the um, rehabilitation process. So sometimes that's just an introduction and sometimes that's you know starting to open their intake, intake and referral process for uh, the agency. So they get the ball rolling before they leave. Um, I think the, the challenging thing is trying to meet the patient at the right time in recovery for the resource. 
So we have felt that some some of those introductions are just the start, um, and we also do an extensive follow-up with our patients. So we are bringing folks back to what we call our community transition events um, every quarter, and our goal is to have our community partners available uh, in the room. Um, the, the patients and the families will receive some additional education, clinical education, on different topics that are relevant post-discharge, and then the partners are in the room again for the opportunity for them to reconnect. And I think that's the most important thing is how you make that connection at the right time in the recovery for the patient. Well, it sounds like No Wrong Door has benefited your patients by increasing their ability to access community-based resources before being discharged. Could you give us an example of how patients have connected with No Wrong Door resources while still at the Institute? You mentioned for example, a brain injury uh, patients. Yes, yes. Uh, we have had a couple of recent scenarios where we have a patient that's um, returning to home, their home community, and they're going to have long-term case management needs um, regarding some of the deficits they have from their brain injury or for support that the family is going to need. So we have had the case manager from Community Brain Injury Services come in and meet the patient and family. Um, she's worked on applying for SNAP benefits for some of our, our, our patients. She started um, the disability application for some of our patients. She's talked about the support groups and has um, been able to get some of our patients and families started in that earlier. Uh, we had a family member. Um, he was an only only child of a, a mom who had had recent brain injury, and we introduced him to the caregiver support group, uh, which he joined while he was at the institute, while his mom was still at the institute. So he had that official introduction and was really excited about um, knowing that he's going to have that support when he leaves. Uh, we've seen a lot of great success with our long-term um, brain injury case management services that are needed. Um, we also have a, a great story about a spinal cord injury patient who uh, was interested in Sportable, and um, Sportable was able to bring a hand cycling uh, demo piece of equipment into the institute, and they had a nice conversation. And after discharge, he has now joined the cycling program at Sportable, and he's playing wheelchair basketball. So both of those things are something that is very unusual for a patient to get engaged in a community programs like that, you know, three months after their injury. And I think it's a good a testament to, you know, us, what we're trying to do at the Institute to really make those connections sooner, uh, let patients and families feel hope and encouragement uh, and know that they're not alone when they leave the Institute, that mm -hmm. there's a, a network of great community services that are willing to uh, help them and support them and continue with their quality of life. No Wrong Door offers a new online feature called Direct Connect. Does Sheltering Arms Institute have any plans for future use of this feature for your patients? We're getting ready to do an in-service um, with them in the near future. Uh, right now, we're you know really focusing on seeing what other partners we want to continue to develop relationships with that are No Wrong Door. Um, we have some connections with some of the ramp agencies and Virginia Relay that we're looking at, um, having them come in to do some in-services to our staff. Uh, I think the unique thing has been we've been able to 
uh, connect our patients through our electronic health record to make referrals. So part of this is really educating our clinicians on what resources are most appropriate for patients. And at the Institute, we really have a, a transdisciplinary vision where it's everyone's job to make connections to community engagement. So if a patient is with physical therapy and they mention something about wanting to play basketball, that physical therapist is able to suggest that referral for us. So a big piece that we're continuing to do is educating our clinicians on all of the services that are available. Um, I think we believe that it is everyone's responsibility to think about not only their inpatient care experience or their outpatient care experience, but how are they, these folks going to be serviced long-term? Um, quality of life is critical, and you can do all the rehab you want, and if you go home and aren't active and engaged and feel supported, you can lose all your functions. So I think as a team, we all really are committed to the long-term health and recovery of our patients. Well, the work that you do seems very fitting with No Wrong Door's tagline of access, options, and answers. No Wrong Door was really an answer to um, a lot of questions and concerns that I had when we started the community engagement um, position. It's like, how, how do I make these referrals? How do I know that the agency has connected with the patient? Um, typically, we've been given a patient's brochures about the Brain Injury Association and said, this is the number, give them a call. Uh, and we know that that wasn't working. So being able to um, look back in the, in the patient's profile and see what the Brain Injury Association is doing or what CBIS is doing with the patient is really helping us to say that this is, this is a, a process that's successful. And I continue to hope and uh, know that things will continue to improve and make additional connections for our patients. Well, thank you. You've shared some wonderful information about uh, Sheltering Arms Institute and um, the great work you're doing. So thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time. Allison Clark is a certified therapeutic recreation specialist and the community engagement manager at Sheltering Arms Institute in Richmond, Virginia. You can find more information about Sheltering Arms and Allison's contact information in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. Betsy Civilette is the communications manager at the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. It's Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. Here's George Worthington, the Dementia Services Coordinator for the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. I support the Alzheimer's Disease and Related Disorders Commission, which is an advisory body to the Governor and the General Assembly. And I work hard to help the Commission and our department and other agencies around the state implement the Dementia State Plan, which is aimed at helping support Virginians living with dementia and their caregivers to live their best possible lives. For more information, visit vda.virginia.gov. Well, it's time for our National Clearinghouse Update with the always entertaining and informative Sherry Takamoto. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thanks, and it was great listening to the story about Bobby. I picture him in his new car so proud. That's awesome. 
<laughs> yes. And uh, so many people are afraid to work because they're afraid of losing benefits, but um, he has no fear. And um, many people who are fearful should ask their VR counselor for help from a work incentive specialist. And I bet you have plenty of resources for all the VR community in that area, don't you? Yes, I do. This month, I have resources from the NCRTM on work incentives so that folks can learn about what they are and how it's most important to work and not be so poor. Um, Speaking of poor, a lot of folks got stimulus payments from the COVID relief and need a place to put that money or else they're going to lose those benefits. So I also have a slew of resources on financial literacy. Sherry Takamoto directs the Rehabilitation Services Administration's National Clearinghouse for rehabilitation training materials. We've included links to information from her report in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Here's Lynn Harris, director of the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The foundation is pleased to bring you these exciting stories of how vocational rehabilitation is changing people's lives. Your support helps students gain the skills and credentials they need to be successful in business and industry. We thank all of our partners in podcasting who made this episode possible. The Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation, CVS Health, Dominion Energy, Daikin Applied, Hollister Inc., and United Bank. You can find out more about becoming a sponsor at wwrcf.org or find our contact information in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. You can always find another exciting episode as we podcast the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation here at the VR Workforce Studio. Until next time, I'm Rick Sizemore. The VR Workforce Studio podcast is owned and operated by the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The foundation publishes and distributes the VR Workforce Studio and manages all sponsor arrangements. Audio content for the podcast is provided to the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services in exchange for promotional considerations.